Welcome to PostBurnout.com interviews. My name is Aaron Kavanagh and I'm the website's founder and editor-in-chief. PostBurnout.com is a culture website dedicated to venerating burnt-out artists the world over. Our interviews are mainly recorded to be transcribed, but every now and again we release the audio in a series we call PostBurnout.com interviews. If you enjoy what we do, be sure to subscribe. In this edition of PostBurnout.com interviews, we talk with Australian musician Own Heart. Own talks to us about his debut EP, becoming a solo musician, moving from Australia to Ireland, the difference in the Irish music scene compared to Australia, the absurdity of herbal tea, and much more. The first thing I guess I'll ask is just like how you, uh, how you kind of became a musician. What made you want to start playing? Um. So I was. I was very young. So how did it start? When I was in daycare, <laughs> I would bring a Grease Lightning CD with me to daycare yeah. every day, <laughs> and I would ask them to play it every day, yeah. and I would dance it every day. So that was weird, <laughs> and that was the first one. And then, um, then when I went to primary school, I would bring an Elvis CD. Well, my parents didn't listen to Elvis, so I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but I would bring an Elvis CD to school, and then I would like have that mum let me use her Walkman. Yeah. So I would use that, and then I would like put on shows on on this like wooden stage we had at the back. Yeah. And there would be no music, and I'd force my friend to like dance with me on stage to like Elvis songs. Yeah. It's fucking weird. It's weird when you think about that stuff when you're like a kid. Like the balls, yeah. You had, and I would hand out leafs as like tickets, pretend tickets. Oh, nice. Anyway, and then I saw, and then I saw someone playing fiddle in a teaching room once, and I wanted to play, learn to play fiddle, so I played fiddle. Yeah. And then I got bored of that because they were trying to teach me classical music, and then I got I played guitar, and I started playing guitars and then singing, and I started writing my own stuff because I couldn't sing covers very well, and I wasn't good at remembering lyrics. Um, but why? Is mm, grew up with a lot of listening to a lot of music. My uncle is a musician, and then my dad just loves music, yeah. like so much music. I grew up around. We go to gigs probably every weekend, just more pub gigs like in Sydney. I think I was just kind of surrounded by it, and it's, I think it's in the family a little bit. Apparently, my dad's dad was a pianist, and my uncle was a muso, and then but my granddad's tone deaf, so my, na- my nana's tone deaf. One of them was nana was tone deaf. I know the Irish, I think. Yeah, <laughs> the Irish. The Irish, and then it was the only thing that I could really ever like properly just. It doesn't feel right to not be doing it, so it's kind of weird. Yeah. I only thought about that actually like last week. Yeah. My friend was like, so do you feel like you have to do it? And I was like, fuck, actually, yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's very strange. Um, you were talking about like that thing about like set up like fake tickets and stuff as like a young kid. I mean, where's that like come from, that kind of showmanship? Like the, that idea of like um, not only performing, but the kind of industry side of it too. I don't know. I was like giving out tickets. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder why, I don't know where that came from. Yeah, you just sort of knew that's what yeah, performers do. Yeah, it must have been, like, <laughs> you need a ticket to come. It might, it honestly might have been because I got told recently that my, even when I was, like, 15, that my uncle, he's from Dublin, I used to be, like, I used to be told, I used to say oh, I wanted to be able to make, like, a, be my job to be a musician like my uncle, you know what I mean? 
So maybe you came, maybe you came from being like that. Maybe I saw it in an Elvis movie. <laughs> yeah. Might have been like roused about or something. I remember that movie really well. Who knows? I remember. You see, from Sydney, I mean, what's the music scene like there? You mentioned the kind of pop rock scene. Mm. But um, just in general, I mean, like, to me, I know it's not the actual capital of Canberra, it's the capital, but Sydney seems to be kind of the cultural capital of Australia. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, presumably anyone who's touring Australia is playing Sydney yeah. when they go. So, I mean, what sort of things would you be seeing around then? What, what sort of venues would you be going to? Um, Sydney, you've kind of got, if you're like a bigger artist, got like the Enmore and Oxford Art Factory kind of and then so like Oxford Art Factory I think my friend Jack is shooting Alice Phoebe Lou at Oxford Art Factory tonight um, and then you've got the bigger ones but then the smaller ones you've got just before I left to travel this like the pub music scene really started kicking off again post-COVID which was actually really cool to see and um, because just after COVID and kind of before COVID, all the venues were investing a lot into like their, it seemed like to me anyway, this is my theory, but they were investing a lot into rooms dedicated to ticketed in events. Yeah. Right. So, you know, whatever, $20 ticket, you know, um, to get into an event. But then people go and because they've spent 20 bucks on a ticket, they don't really buy much drink and all this stuff. And then just before I left, all these pubs were putting more money into putting in speakers like in the corner of the pub in the front bar, free in, and everyone would go and buy a drink. And then the pubs were paying the bands just straight out for their gigs. And that was really fun. So there's in Newtown, there's like a road called King Street. It's kind of like Camden Street if there was more Whelan's venues on it. And it was like all these pubs that you could go to and there'd be live music on all down there like Friday, there's a Friday night. Not as much midweek stuff as they do in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Nowhere near as much. Um, but weekends and then there's, so there's the Vanguard, um, Oxford Art Factory Gallery, Golden Age Cinema, um, the Bank Hotel upstairs, Waywards. There's a few, there's a lot, there's a lot of small venues. But the pubs are cool, that was cool. And would, would, like, the musical variety there, like, would it be various? Like, could you see kind of any genre you wanted? Yeah, they, they, you could. It's different. I'd say it's different. Um, you go big country, like country rock scene, mm-hmm. country Americana rock scene in the last, like, five, six years. I don't know why they call them a cowboy, a country in a western. Yeah. Because it's it's the inner west is where all where everyone hangs out and, like, Marrickville and stuff. Oh, and Vic on the Park. It's country in inner west and... Lots of like hip hop and R and B and like soul and that was getting big and like rap. Um, indie pop, not so much, but definitely still there. Pop is a big one. Not, not the folk scene is. It's like near non-existent. It's there in some house shows and small shows, but it just doesn't really suit the. It doesn't really suit the like lifestyle, I guess. If it's sunny outside, you want to go listen to someone reading out like a four-minute like spoken word poetry and then singing a song about the weather. Like you want to go and listen to some guy play twangy guitar and you want to drink a beer. Um, but there's there is there is massive rice. Yeah. Like, and then they don't grow up with folk music like you guys do here. I think as well. You know? Sure. Yeah, I think like you know. 
like all the influence you've listed that I've seen have kind of been foreign influences the Australian domestic acts is there any that have resonated with you or do you think you've taken uh, influence from like um, there is definitely some because I grew up with it I really liked Middle Kids in their first EP have you heard of Middle Kids this is obviously a really good really good band their first EP they were like one of the first Aussie bands that I like fangirled over I pre-ordered their first EP and went to see them when they had like no followers went to see them when I was travelling when I was 18 I saw them in Berlin at like a 100 person venue and they went back to Sydney and then just got massive kind of started churning out like a bit more like commercial albums but they're still good um, Triple I've, J stuff yeah yeah <laughs> that's my musical reference yeah so. man Triple well, J and Rage it's a monopoly dude it's a fucking monopoly in yeah. Australia it's Triple J like that's it even the festival scene it's like Triple J kind of runs the world over there it's like yeah. Sticky Fingers got cancelled right. and then they chucked Ocean Alley in there Ocean Alley different but they're reggae rock psych sort of thing and anyway listen to like I guess Gang of Views for that one album probably when I was in high school was he Paul Kelly when I was younger probably um, but I didn't grow up with so I don't, I don't think I listened yeah that's a funny question I don't think I really listened to a lot of Aussie acts so it was quite it's quite weird because yeah. I grew up with um, his mum's from Dublin and dad's from Ayrshire in Scotland okay so I grew up with and then all their friends are either Irish Scottish and Aussie friends obviously but, yeah. so I grew up with all the shit that all the people I'm meeting here grew up with yeah. in the music scene <laughs> like a bunch of folk a bunch of trad Cass Evans Van Morrison and pop Britney Spears mum like Britney Spears <laughs> you go from Britney Spears to like Mozart or something and so yeah I don't really listen to a lot of Aussie acts it's funny yeah. when my mates are talking about all these Aussie acts I'm like, and they're playing stuff I'm like I don't know this <laughs> I don't really like it that much either yeah, yeah. that's fair I mean you know, I think like um, of your music, you've you've uh, referenced kind of um, you referenced uh, Father John Misty yeah. and stuff, and it's like you know, I think that like um, oh, wise, but yeah. of course, those are kind of your two like central influences, it seems, and I think that was a really good indicator of like. Um, of, of of your music, I was I was reading um, the interview you gave with Ticketmaster where you, yeah. they, you mentioned like you just happened upon not, like just happened to be going to a Westwood show, yeah. and it's just like it, it blew you away and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that like organic kind of um, experience is still like something that's like just can't be replicated. You know what I mean? Just the idea of going to a gig on a whim and being blown away. Yeah. I sometimes wonder if, um, just me probably being a bit cynical, but I wonder if like ticket prices for major venues and stuff would start like, maxing people out from being able to take a chance on artists that you know, they otherwise may have an interest in seeing. Oh, yeah, 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 I never thought about that. Because I think like independent ticket prices still seem quite reasonable. Like yeah. People obviously don't want to do that, but it's just, uh, I wonder if, like, you know, um, more popular acts will, yeah, yeah. yeah, more popular acts. Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah, they're just taking a whim on going to gigs and stuff. Yeah, I mean, even like when you go to like a festival or something, it's like it is always, I think, really 
great when you just like find something just going like holy shit this like resonates with me kind of yeah I went to see Sticky Fingers when I was really young yeah. when they weren't cancelled <laughs> when they weren't cancelled <laughs> um, they still play there like you know, oh dude back. it's yeah. weird they yeah. sold out Ar- the Arling to something that big yeah. venue in Olympia yeah, in, so, yeah. in London they sold oh, out no, there. huge venue yeah they're not they're like not they're cancelled but cancelling doesn't like work that well yeah <laughs> and then they sold out Olympia it's crazy mm-hmm. um, anyway I went to see them but their support act was Methyl Ethyl and it's a pity they kind of didn't, they kind of dropped off a little bit. But I remember seeing Methyl Ethyl, and I was like, what? These guys are insane. It was so much better than Ziggy Figures were, yeah. I thought. Anyway, yeah, you're right. That was that was good get, getting that ticket to Wise But So at the time I was, I guess at the time I was writing the stuff that I've only just released now. That stuff's quite yeah. old. It's like for first lockdown, COVID, and just before. Mm. I was leaving the old band that I was in like not leaving but figuring out what I was doing and then I was trying to I was like recording this stuff my acoustic guitar but also I was interested in like production and like trying to get keyboards and synths in and I was like I don't know what it is I want to do and then my mate was like I got a spare ticket to Wisebud and my mate can't come listen to her on the train I was like oh she's fine <laughs> and it was exactly where I think my brain was going yeah. so it was like a slide guitar and there was some crazy big synths mm-hmm. and then there was some big thick drums and then her voice was like old style influence and that was such a good realisation and then a few months later my friend for my birthday bought me Father John Misty Fear Fun album yeah. I'd never listened to him before and I was already writing these songs and I listened to that and I was like oh shit so you can write lyrics yeah that are funny, mm-hmm. over emotional, and also be emotional, over like good music, mm-hmm. and be catchy, funny, and um, emotional. Yeah, you know. So that all those influences actually, it's, it's funny how late they kind of came up, and then that led to like Bob Dylan. Eventually, like everyone starts listening to Bob Dylan. I think yeah. every young boy starts listening to Bob Dylan when they're like 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you go through the stage <laughs> yeah. of Bob Dylan, and you're like, oh, that's funny as well. Like, yeah. All really lucky realizations, and then Chet Baker and Harry Nilsson, and all that sort of stuff. I think when like you look at someone like Lois Blue, I mean, I think like uh, you would probably have, and Fajr and Missy too, have a lot of the same influence, like the mm-hmm. roots influence, where you kind of grow up. I mean, I think that. Was well, cool, wasn't it? Like she, her father was a musician too, and then he became devoutly religious. And oh, it's really? this very interesting story. Yeah. Um. So she was kind of raised, but I think uh, I forgot which religion it was, but it was a, a sect of Christianity, and so she was raised with that kind of music, and she had all this like weird influence based on that she was always traveling. I don't know. I find that like very interesting. By the way. Um. I mean, yeah, but I think like if you looked at the roots of kind of like. Uh, your influences and their influences, I think you find a lot of overlap. Mm. And yeah, the kind of expression you guys take from that tends to be, um, I think, very. I don't, I don't want to use this word because it sounds submissive, but kind of quirky. You know, yeah, yeah. kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of like expressive in, in a very non traditional way, let's say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was wondering where, where you think that like additional expression comes from. Additional expression. Quirkiness. Where quirkiness comes from. Well, um, let me just put it like this. Like, I think like you're not content just to do, uh, just to do folk music. You want to do additional expression on top of that. Oh, right. But you want to use it as a kind of a base. I would say. Yeah. That'd be fair. 
Um, probably, probably part of it comes from just having like because my parents are a bit older and because I like dad's 75 so probably I do have an overlap and listening to older music probably that and then also growing up listening to like anyone does finding out their own music where would it come from I don't know when I record something I find it like that first song that was at the show rest is where it starts off with those big rock guitars and then it goes into like a folky ballad I just find that so much more interesting than starting off with a folky ballad yeah because because it's like like the, listen to the next part in the song from the lyrics you know I'm emotional like, I don't need to also make I don't need to make the whole fucking song make like so sad yeah because that's not that's also not how life works you know what I mean like you can go from having the best day ever and then like step in dog shit yeah um, but no it's just a gut I think it's kind of a gut feeling like, it's very lucky. So that one, that one came to me. A lot of the other stuff just kind of comes to me. Like, how did that happen? And then you just laugh, and the stuff that I find that is like funny, you giggle at. Not funny, but you giggle at is like my favorite type of stuff. I don't know where it comes from. Yeah, I think I'm just kind of lucky that it's kind of I'm like that as a person. Can be very like sad boy and then can be very like <laughs> ridiculously silly yeah and that was the thing I know when I went to your show was that like it seemed like you guys were um, sort of in on the joke a little bit but simultaneously it didn't feel like you know you guys were being sarcastic in your approach it felt like you guys were being earnest but simultaneously you know you're you're aware kind of, I don't I think a lot of like uh, creators nowadays have is a kind of sense of self awareness, which I think feels maybe preemptive to any backlash they make. Um, right. Where it kind of feels like uh, I don't know, like they're self knownly pointing at themselves and laughing before anyone else can. Yeah. I'm not accusing you guys of doing that, but do yeah, you ever yeah. feel like you know taking on say aspects of like country western? Yeah. As someone from Sydney, you think like that may feel perfunctory or that people may be critical of that. Do I what? Do you ever feel that people may be like critical of that? Because I, I know, for example, there are a lot of Irish artists who do kind of country western music, and sometimes there is criticism of like them singing about stuff that they don't know. Or simultaneously, you know, you have like Irish artists doing like gangster rap, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? and stuff like yeah. that. And people kind of criticize them for you know doing stuff that like you know isn't related to their life or some way, yeah. I don't know, or that isn't appropriate or something like cultural appropriation or something. Like yeah. That. Well, I think because I'm because I'm taking aspects of <coughs> country and Western or Americana folk music and just writing the lyrics on yeah. about getting drunk in a bar in Texas, like yeah. they're about me drinking green tea or whatever it is. So, and also, I don't know. Like, it kind of, if they say you can't do that because you're not American. Or, yeah. So. I don't, I don't know. I feel I just, people get, like, get given shit if they feel like they're emulating a culture that they're not really part of, mm. um, which I don't think is necessarily fair. I think, like, you know, again, like, I, I don't know, like, I kind of feel like sometimes people want to put people in, like, little boxes where yeah. it's like, 
culturally where it's like well you're not part of this therefore you can't like take elements of that where I think it's like cool if like you know you look at someone like the Dropkick Murphys right and they're like American but I yeah. think it's cool the shit they do with like our yeah. trad music or you know stuff like that I think it's cool to have you know it's like yeah fucking take our aspects and do it but I think other people get a bit prissy about that kind of stuff and they feel like no you have to be from here to do this kind of thing I don't know yeah that's weird so even Willie Nelson wasn't Willie Nelson before he started looking like Willie Nelson. Yeah. You've seen like early photos of him. Mm-hmm. He's like a polished boy with like his brittle <laughs> creamed hair and clean shaven. Yeah. And then he decided to move to Texas, I think, or somewhere. Yeah. And he just completely just rebranded himself. Yeah. So it's like there's no such thing as a proper outlaw, proper country, <laughs> proper Western dude. Like they're yeah. all just it's like yeah, in Sydney it's really strange. Like I Probably not. I don't think I'll probably do that that sort of outfit on stage, that sort of thing again. I'm probably going to do something different. But um, in Sydney, the country and western stuff is it's crazy. Like you're walking down this one area called Marrickville, and there's dudes walking around like they're straight out of like the like a western movie. They've all got ca- you go to a pub. Everyone's got cowboy hats on. And they're wearing big, like, boots and expensive, like, cowboy shirts. It's cool. They also, I don't mind it. Yeah. I used to annoy me when they first started because I was like, not annoy me. It used to be like, you guys are, like, playing dress up. But then they drink a lot mm-hmm. and they smoke a lot mm-hmm. and they play country music. So I'm like, well, they're fully embracing the whole cowboy character. So good on them. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like... <laughs> They're like proper cowboys. I was like, whatever, do you think? Yeah. So, uh, what I'm going to ask is like, uh, when did you uh, come to Ireland then? So, if you've seen yourself, I know you said yeah. your folks are, well, your mom's from there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so mom and dad are in Sydney. Yeah. Um, so, I only moved here five months ago. Okay. And, moved here five months ago, but I used to, um, I used to come over like nearly every year when I was little because mom would come and see the family. And, da- and obviously, because Dad's from here as well, they'd both be able to come over together and do their family stuff. And then a bit less when I was a bit older. But then, but then, uh, I thought some lady was like pointing at me. And, uh, <laughs> and then I came over when I was eighteen and travelled Ireland, backpacked around Ireland, saw some family, mm-hmm. did the UK as well. But yeah, it's only been five months. I remember being five, and I was just um, I was traveling with a friend, and then we were in America, and then I was going to go home to like a nice little. It wouldn't have been nine to five job, but it was close. It was like events or something. Yeah. And I was like, why the? Fuck? I could never lived anywhere else. I've got an Irish passport. My family's in Ireland. There's lots of music. Yeah. I was like, I'll just move somewhere different for a while. Was uh, Ireland a big culture shock from Australia, or do you think the two cultures are very similar? I think if if it wasn't me, mm. I came over a lot, and I feel very Irish. And I think if it wasn't me, it was a shock. Like I had friends over on the weekend, and went up to Donegal, and there was some experiences like <laughs> that I'd seen before. Kind of like some a, like a private bus driver that we had to get to get to Derry. Yeah, dropped us to a public bus that had stopped for fuel, so he so we didn't have to pay the expensive fee. I was like, well, that's Country Island 101. We got mooned by some guy because my friends from Bangor 
and he thought that he was, you know, he had the northern accent, so he mooned us. And these Aussie girls were like, what the fuck is going on? And then we got given puchin by a neighbour the next day. And I was like, you guys got the experience. So they were shocked. But I grew up with it. it was, the culture shock this time was probably... I'd never been here for this long in winter yeah. um, so that was like the, I understood the drinking culture because it's the only place that's warm um, what else was there culture shock culture shock the slagging mm-hmm. I didn't have an experience that I went to school here for three months when I was younger and I forgot about that the, it took me like a month to kind of get used to that humour and then I got it and even now I'm not very good at giving it back <laughs> um, that's nice though I really like that it yeah. keeps everyone humble and also if someone's slagging you it's almost a pat on the back someone's like making fun of you they're like they're like you're alright. Is shit talking not really thing in Australia? It's a bit of shit talking. Mm-hmm. The older, the older blokes, the older Aussies are a bit more shit talking, but there's a lot more kind of staring at you. Okay. And not shit talking, <laughs> like they don't speak their mind maybe as much. But in the young people, like nowhere near as much shit talking. The young people don't do it because they're worried they'll offend someone. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, yeah, here they just shit talking <laughs> whoever about something. Um, so that was a culture shock. Everything else, it was a culture shock to realise how Irish I was, I think. Yeah. Because in Australia I always felt weird speaking to people. And then just kind of not speaking much back. Mm-hmm. And then I was here and I was like, oh shit, it's because I'm Irish. Like everyone kind of just interrupts each other. Yeah. And talks and talks and talks and talks and you have to be like, I've actually got to go somewhere. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. i got somewhere to be. And then the, the culture, oh, biggest one was the trying to organise plans. Yeah. Holy fuck. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Everyone's so flaky. <laughs> oh my God. Because everyone says, someone said to me, I didn't realise why it was. And then it was because everyone says yes to everyone. Yeah. And they have to pull out on someone. Yeah. There's a bit of guilt to say no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The girls, again, that I was with on the weekend, it was meant to take us three hours to get up to Donegal. It took us like five and a half hours. Mm. Kept stopping, kept doing something else, kept doing something else. The next day, we were meant to leave at like one o'clock. I left at like five. Yeah. Because, like, we're like, oh, let's go get some breakfast at a cafe. Everyone's like, cool, we'll leave in half an hour. 15 minutes later, everyone's eating eggs on toast. <laughs> and the girl's like, I thought we were going to get some food somewhere. Yeah. We're like, we'll going half an hour. Everyone's having fucking coffee yeah. at the house. And then we, two hours later, we go for cafe. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, when are we going back to Dublin? Yeah. I, like, I don't know, maybe tomorrow. Who knows? No, no rush, are we? That's the kind of way we do it. <laughs> but I like that. So I was like that in Sydney. And my Sydney friend, everyone in Sydney is very much like, I see you at the pub. Yeah. At three thirty, yeah, be like half an hour late. They're like, "What do you yeah. mean? Yeah, we're waiting here." And you're like, oh, no, "I've been doing shit, man. Like, <laughs> I got other stuff more yeah. important than a pint." Yeah. And now I'm here with you, so relax. <laughs> um, when you since you've been over here, I know you we were talking earlier. You said you do bartending and stuff. Like, um, I'm assuming that's like evening shifts. So how does that kind of play into like gigging or stuff like that? Super lucky that. Um, 
the bar is um, staffed well now and has a manager and he likes music as well, which is cool. And and I told them when I when they hired me, I was like, I can do. It's just but every now and again I'll have a gig, so I need it. Friday or Saturday off and they're fine with it like a lot of a few of the bartenders prefer to work the weekend nights like one of the girls she likes she says it's because I don't spend my money yeah um, better tips too <laughs> yeah better tips too exactly yeah. so it works out fine the nights are good because I can I can write during the day and finish and like mix because I do and record and mix my own stuff so I can go into my room and just sit down and have a coffee and do that sort yeah. of stuff. Nighttime's good for writing creatively, but not like sit down working, kind of finishing off shit that you don't like a song that you don't like anymore. Yeah. Trying to get that finished. And, and I'm also lucky I'm like the longest serving bartender at this pub. <laughs> it's been four months. Because yeah. everyone left over Christmas and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I got lucky. I got lucky with this bar yeah. that I'm able to ask for days off and stuff. Yeah. And, but it's just nice to have the days off and work the nights. Yeah. Okay. Do you think the relative proximity of Ireland to UK or to mainland Europe uh, offers you a benefit where perhaps maybe, you know, uh, at some point you might want to tour Germany for a week or go to France or, you know, do a UK tour or something? Yeah. Where versus Sydney, you know, maybe you could do like, you know, Melbourne and Adelaide, so some, but even like something like Perth. Yeah. Is like, you know, is way like is way further perhaps and even us to say Paris or Berlin. Yeah. Know, or you know, Canberra or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm. Do you think that's uh, a benefit too? That's a big one. That's yeah. a one of the No no, not one of the biggest reasons I moved here. But one of the bigger realizations when I see like I always knew that. And then I was like if I could if I'm able to get if I'm able to try and get some sort of something going in Ireland, yeah, you got the UK. Mm-hmm. Ireland's like overlooked almost. Yeah. There's so many musicians here, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. But they, and then they go leave and go to London or go Europe or go to, yeah, like eight hours from New York or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, so that is awesome. I think awesome. it's even less, I think like five. Yeah. Five flights. It's crazy. Yeah. Like exactly what you're saying in Sydney. Like I know people that have been doing it for five years, which has been fine. Yeah. Like people do it. But you tour the East Coast for years. Like, and not that it's a bad thing, like to get from Sydney down to Melbourne is like a 10 hour drive. Right. So that's a big commitment for a tour. Yeah. Like yeah. to bring a whole band down 10 hours and then going to Adelaide it's even further and then Canberra's around there. Like that's a big thing in Queensland. And it's kind of the East Coast and to get to Perth. Yeah. It's like, I don't know how long the flight is, but you might as well fly to somewhere in Europe. Yeah. You know? So that that actually is a big thing that is is really cool about being here, yeah. and would be something that I'd like to try and do would be to get more shows in. Eventually, it's a long term thing yeah, to get over there. But right now, I'm just like. I think also you have the benefit you mentioned you had an Irish passport of like being able to go to the UK and Europe and not have any difficulty. Where I think sometimes like for you know other people it's like you know. Uh, sometimes like someone who might say for example I have a German passport might have to then you know because of Brexit have to do all this shit where it's like you know you can kind of just like tour basically the entire continent yeah. like very free of trouble as a yeah. result of that that is again lockdown and like didn't travel mm-hmm. and then me and Jack my friend were travelling and 
it was so strange to be able to go, oh, I can just move here. Don't have to worry about it. And then the Irish and American relation is really good. Yeah. So, but even for him, with the Aussie passport, the Americans don't mind the Aussies, but going through Dublin to get into America mm-hmm. is a lot easier than going from like Sydney to get into America because it's such a common travel path I think sure. between New York and Dublin yeah. and they like the Irish yeah. and they do well they even have the pre-check in Dublin before you go to New York sure. you do the border here whatever it's called so even with him you go over but yeah it's like you've got the whole world it's quite strange yeah. the goal would be to be able to do a summer do summer here in Europe and do summer in Australia yeah. it would be I mean it's kind of expensive but if it became a thing I can I can book it yeah and get a job but that's a long term long term do you job. have any like particular sites on any like festivals or, or venues that you would like to enjoy like you know long term or short term yeah I mean I just wouldn't mind playing some of the Irish festivals. They just seem like a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, trying to trying to get that sorted, but again, I'm so new here. Sure. There's so many other up and coming bands that they probably want, but Body and Soul seems like a really nice one. Electric Picnic obviously seems like a nice one. Um, any of those Irish? That's really cool that the Irish festivals really support up and coming artists. Yeah. Like in Australia as well, you have to. To even get your name in the small print mm-hmm. on those festivals, it's all run by the, like the top down. So especially because they can get, they, there's so many probably more people at the festival, they can afford to get bigger acts in and fly them in. But it's also top down run. It's like Triple J will book all of the stages, whereas it's, it's here apparently it's like stages are run by different people, right? right. Like Hot Press would run one or. Which Hands is, on the festival. Yeah, but that's that's really cool. Mm-hmm. They support up and coming artists a lot. Yeah. Um. So if like someone wanted to play like big day out or something like that, yeah, they'd have to have a certain amount of established appeal already. Yeah, you'd have to have a booking agent, and then probably heaps of factors. I don't know. Definitely a booking agent, and then. Um, You'd have to be still reasonable. Like, you wouldn't have to be massive, but you wouldn't have, like... I mean, followers isn't a good way of putting it, but... Yeah. Like, and... Well, I think Harry Fennell, my Harry, he played Electric Picnic, I think, last, last year, I think. Okay. He's got a fair few followers from busking in that, but there was no way, like, he would be playing a festival in Australia. Yeah. Not because he's bad. Love you, Harry. <laughs> but, like... Compared to the follower thing, it's like that's no way that would happen. Yeah. Um, just because there's, I think the festival is so much bigger. You mm-hmm. can get someone bigger on a smaller stage. One mm-hmm. kind of cool thing I always saw about the Australian festival scene as an outsider looking in is that you guys do the touring, like nationwide touring festival. So it's kind of reminds me of like, you know, a lot of blues back in the day or something like that, or like the Warp Tour, where it's like, you know, they would get in a van and bring the, like the festival to each city. Oh, yeah. Australia seems to be the last kind of holiday that was still doing that. Um, that's kind of a unique perspective. I don't know if, uh, if you've ever like attended one of those or anything like that or have any opinion on that kind of the, thing. What, they would, they move the festival, they? Yeah, there's, I forget which one specifically, but they, they would still do touring festivals where it's like, oh. you know, this say it's in Adelaide, this say it's in Sydney. Yes, they did do one. They, I think they did do one. There was one they did. 
Last year, one of the big acts got cancelled. I can't remember what festival it was. I've never been to one. Yeah. I've only been to the ones at the stage. I've only been to. <clears throat> I've only been to one festival ever. Yeah. That's Splendor in the Grass. That and the year that it was muddy. Did you see that on the news? I think Splendor in the Grass tour, don't they? I could be wrong. No, they don't. No, no. Don't it's know. always in Byron Bay. Okay. Um, I went. That was my first festival, and it was. If you look it up. The mud was like thigh deep. <laughs> I didn't prepare for it at all. It was really dangerous though. Um, but I actually really, I, I'm, everyone was like annoyed with it. And I was like, this is sick. Yeah. I, was like, this is, I was like, this is great. It's so chaotic. Yeah. And I liked it as well because all the people that would dress up really nicely for a festival couldn't. Yeah. So everyone was in, it felt like maybe what a British festival would feel like in the rain. I was like, this is <laughs> everyone at their worst, like guys just pissing in the middle of the ground. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is sick. You definitely like electric picnic. Then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, cool. Talking about your music, then, um, I know it's like there's a kind of a concept going on with the music videos you've released so far for your three singles that yeah. are released at the moment of Wasalk. And obviously, by the time this goes out, there'll be more. But um, there is kind of a thematic uh, concept going on. It's kind of the guy, just how I read it, but like, uh, through uh, self like a guy in like the wilderness just kind of waking up and kind of it seems like an evolution uh, from man becoming civilized almost yeah and that theme kind of continues throughout the uh, music video for the other things they were shot in Australia and um, now that you live here I mean how, do, how would that kind of influence I guess the theme going forward or is that just its own trilogy and it will just stop with them I should have when I was in Sydney I probably should have incorporated that theme more after the release that's something I want to work on in the future is if I do have a concept that's what I realised at the show the other night so if I do have a concept I want to be more professional about it even if I'm sick of it mm -hmm. just because you've done three shows with it doesn't mean that everyone's seen the show like yeah you, it's more anyway um, it was mainly those three videos and the EP that's coming out is has self-pity on it which is quite different from the other three singles and that video is quite different and that's kind of more showing my fun side I guess or my self-deprecating side and then the other single on it is, is on the EP only um, but it was mainly those three videos so we those three videos are the first ones that I'd finished and during the lockdown me and Jack were just coming up with ideas for it and we were scouting locations and he said watch Wake and Fright the movie have you watched that movie? I haven't seen it you should watch it and you'll realise what the suit I was wearing is I like went to had to find this suit to copy him so the concept came from that it's about this guy that just goes on a bender throughout rural Australia <laughs> and just like loses all his money and is shooting kangaroos and it's a weird movie <laughs> and we're like let's copy that and get the suit and like pay, pay homage to it and then and yeah so it's, it's like pretty much what you said it's, it's more about the first video he goes and then he's with his mates and then um, they all disappear and then suddenly that's why you don't see any people until the end of the until the end of the three videos, because then he's like back to it's like he's gone on. You don't know whether he's on a real trip or it's a daydream. Um, but we just came up with the idea and the album cover, and then we just kept chipping away at it, and then um, it's really it's really fun shooting it. It's really fun shooting it. When it comes to like the music videos, you have a say like do you, do you kind of go here's my concept here's what I want are you content to just be like work with the director and go whatever you like um, with those three it was so 
my friend Jack is like almost like a he's like part he's my, my best friend probably so and he's part he's pretty much part of you and heart he is like one half of you and heart and so far so we have an argument um, and then <laughs> so when we did it it was all I came up with this picture that I thought of having a, a living room in like the middle of nowhere and then and then from there we kind of bounced off each other Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. What was the idea? There was one idea that we were going to have like a dummy, a guy, like a paper mache person that I picked up in, on the way in that trip and he would be my friend for the trip. Yeah. Like I talked to, and I'd be talking to no one and then he'd be there and he'd be on the roof or... <laughs> so, I'm a bit, I'm quite, no, I'm, I'm controlled, I'm more, I definitely am really heavily involved in the in all the planning like I, I did all the scripts and and, and shot lists okay. for the all the music videos and the concepts were there and then Jack does all and then helps me chip away at that and they don't the shot lists like don't really it's like terrible sketches and stuff but yeah definitely there in the future I'll probably be probably take a bit more of a step back just help come up with the concept and then hand it over but it's always more expensive yeah. your music is uh, self-produced and self-released um, I was wondering like was that because you mentioned like a lot of this being lockdown was that a necessity of the times or was that always how you want to do it anyway like do you have a uh, history with producing or anything prior to this um well, when I was at the, my old band last Thursday, we would I would only write the basis of it, and then I would write like together. And we go to a studio and record it, and then kind of when I was in, I think I used to mess around on GarageBand a bit, and then when I was in the studio, kind of as I got a bit older, I was a bit more like wanting to have a bit more creative control over the recording of it, but at the same time. I didn't know much about it, and then the band, it was okay because it was, a, it was a band and the producers, so it was all collaborative. And then I guess, yeah, I guess during lockdown I started recording in my room a lot more. Yeah, now, now you say that, actually, I didn't think about that. It's probably because I couldn't do anything else. And then it became a thing of, like, I'd get up, and I was at uni, but I'd do uni and then I'd do music, and then I'd... Got really into Battlefield One. <laughs> like I haven't yeah, yeah, played yeah. Xbox since lockdown, mm -hmm. but I would play like Battlefield One. I played like, that game. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, from like 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. until two o'clock in the morning every day. Yeah. I fucking haven't played a video game since <laughs> end of lockdown. But it was a routine. Sure. What you say? Yeah, yeah. You know exactly. And um, so yeah, I think I must have been a sign of the times. Yeah. Now you say that, just like recording and messing around with uh, with recording stuff. Yeah. And then I was like, I can do this. So then I'd record it, and then I was able to get um, send it off to a drummer, mm -hmm. and they record real drums. Yeah. And then my mate, who has a better bass guitar and is a really good bassist, send my bass parts to him and just say, copy this, but make it your own. Mm -hmm. Same with the drummer. And I did that, and I was like, oh shit, right. this is like I can do this. Yeah. I can. This is so much cheaper than going to like a, a studio as well for like three hundred. Yeah. You know, euro a day or whatever. It is, yeah, yeah, because I know it's like a lot of people I talk to have that similar experience where it's like lockdown forced them to have to become a producer, like mm. they had to kind of learn how to EQ and shit. And mm. it's like, yeah, was that like difficult for you, or did you kind of adapt to it very quickly? 
Because I know it's like everyone, every single person I talk to has their own unique style. And sometimes that's very antiquated, sometimes it's very cutting edge. Um, but like it, it varies from person to person, but it's just kind of like there doesn't seem to be a right way to do it anymore. It's just whatever works for you. As long as you get the results you want, you can kind of do it at a professional standard yeah. in your bedroom, even if you don't really have the experience as well. Yeah, it is. Like especially if you're using something like Logic and not Pro Tools. Yeah. The presets kind of sort you out. Now, in saying that, I would mix things to a point where they sound good to me. <clears throat> not that they're technically sounding good. Sure. So the stuff is mixed by Alex Lestrange. So I'll be like, here's the sound, here's kind of where I want everything levels wise. Like I want the trumpet that loud and I want the piano that loud. But it sounds muddled and it doesn't it's not clear and then he would go and properly EQ a proper compressor. Like I'm just using originally I was just using like stock plugins, not messing around with things much. But to to learn it was kind of made sense to me. Logic is very user-friendly, so it wasn't too hard. I don't think it was too hard to learn. And I wasn't too technical about it. Now I'm now I'm a bit more like listening to my stuff that I've released and like doing my recordings now I'm a lot more like, oh okay, that sounds like shit. I need to learn how to EQ things a bit more and how to use a certain compressor. I also think that buying really expensive compressors and EQs, I'm sure at some point I will and my ears get more tuned to it but it's also like the stock stuff is fine sure yeah you should, that should not be an excuse not to record your own music like at all yeah you know you're talking about your new EP self-titled EP I'm not being coy legitimately don't know anything about it except the releases next month yeah. April 12th I believe is the yeah self-titled beyond that I don't know anything how many songs are on it well which songs are on it except for self Um so yeah tell us a bit about it what is there it is um, 145 Hold in My Head no 145 Sold Snowflakes so Sold is a new one mm-hmm. it's like a little short one that was written and then it was in the key of Snowflake so they kind of like it's kind of linked to Snowflake Snowflake hold my hair back self pity part one and part two okay. so that's split into that'll be split into two songs but you can if you were playing them it would like go through into it and sound like it's one song kind of and then there's like a little interlude track on it on the end which just is from 145 yeah. and it kind of loops back to the start and um, so that's it. Most there's only really going to be one unheard song on it, and it's been taking a while because self pity took a, took a while to record. I was trying to record that in. I was trying to record that like I did the other ones, because it's got that big live section, big thrashing section at the start. I couldn't get that from just plugging into my computer, and then luckily got Charlie White, and he works in the studio. And he, he works in like a commercial studio doing like for adverts right. writes music and he was like wanting to do more writing and recording with not commercial stuff and he just said come in and I got the band that I was playing and I just and I just had the Sydney band we, we played a few gigs so we'd like arrange the song for live 
so it sounded good and then it was like okay well let's just put that into the studio and it worked out really well like so so pretty different in that way it was not that was not recorded in my room the demo was recorded in my room mm-hmm. and written I wrote it all the parts but then we recorded it in the studio yeah, yeah. so yeah I mean like was there any kind of like sort of traumatic because like like I was saying uh, when I was watching your videos there seemed to be a lot of um, you know there was a lot of overlap and um, one thing I noticed was uh, a kind of theme of uh, herbal tea yeah like uh, repeating stuff yeah yeah it's true is there a a connective tissue on the album or is it just kind of each individual song is their own thing there was definitely I think the herbal tea thing came up a lot because of lockdown Mm -hmm. and trying to not drink like all I think everyone got into like health heaps and like I shouldn't drink much coffee I should drink more (laughs) green tea I should and I also find the concept of herbal tea fucking hilarious yeah <laughs> the people it's nice that people like it but I don't really understand people drink just tea that doesn't have anything in it apart from like berries yeah I do get it I do get it but I just still find it funny yeah it's like a, it's like a remedy to help suppress sadness but then people don't go for like a run you know what I mean yeah um so that came up a lot and then it just kind of came with the video I was like how are we going to connect this how are we going to connect the videos and I'm like let's just I found like a really nice teacup and saucer <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like let's just do that because that, that'll I think I say I say it in self-pity as well I think I say it in 145 and the theme the theme really is between those three videos and then self-pity is kind of almost a, comes off it uh, would there be a video for self-pity yeah yeah so the video for self-pity is is um was just filmed the whole time i was traveling with jack yeah so we just had a camcorder and we were just like let's just film the music video while we're traveling so it's a lot more gonzo yeah yeah a lot more gonzo it's just kind of clips of which i'm kind of glad about it's very different to the trilogy yeah. trilogy was quite serious and i was always saying how that i'm not serious and then the videos are all serious <laughs> but on my social media i don't think i'm that serious and then yeah. it's like well why why don't we do the video where it's just me being me yeah for the video so that's what we did perfect and is there any plans for further releases beyond this or are you just like i'm just getting this cpo oh yeah this, this ep is like it's like done yeah it's been done for a while except for waiting on we're waiting on the mixes for self-pity yeah but yeah next i'm, I'm working on another album that I want to have done in the next I want to have all the demos done in the next couple months mm-hmm. maybe three months probably two months yeah. I want to have them all done really just need to get that shit done and then the next one I've got another album that is kind of rough demos that I really need to really need to get sorted because yeah. that one I'm really excited for so the next one will be funny that'll be a big rebrand mm-hmm. I want to do some videos and photos in Ireland before I leave if I leave I don't know what's going on sure that'll be a bit more funny yeah and a bit more personality and then yeah so then there's another album and then I've written some songs while I've been here and travelling that will probably be an album 
next year or yeah. I'm just trying to get heaps of music out sure because I'm not I don't think I'm going to be happy unless I do that on top of digital um, is there any plans to do like physical releases or is it all just going to be digital I'll probably do um we do. Let me get some water. Yeah, no. Worries. My voice is going a little bit. Like this lady. So she went quite. I know people are going to buy it. <laughs> yeah. So now some people do like vinyl release and stuff. Self-releasing is an absolute like nightmare. Yeah. Because um, it's happened to one guy, Carlton Riley, who's uh, like an indie musician. He's doing his own thing. And he was like, yeah, like everything's like backed up here for like months, like in Ireland. So if you want vinyl, you kind of have to go to England and stuff. And it's just like, it's a Apparently, huge at the moment. Yeah, there's one in Glass Nevin, I think, is the one that's super yeah. busy. Yeah, all of them seem to be domestically. I don't yeah. know what's up, so. Yeah. But would that be something that would interest you? Or in the future. Yeah. Well, well, I'm I'm not a big I'm not a big vinyl person. I think. I think if I was to record stuff on tape, mm-hmm. if I was to record it analog. Yeah, I would be interested in releasing it analog on yeah. vinyl. I'm recording heaps of it digital. I'm kind of like, I don't know what the point is because yeah. the quality you get on your phone, I think, is really good. CDs, maybe. I mean, I just like CDs a lot. Mm-hmm. And maybe some like funny. I like the idea of doing a tape because I like how they look. <laughs> yeah. Um. I definitely I'll do vinyls at some point but yeah. I'm not going to do it unless I know people are going to yeah. so for the meantime you wouldn't be thinking of like here's where I'll split the A and the B side or anything like that you're just like no this is just the album no no it's just the album yeah yeah sure actually no this is just the album the next album though actually that's actually kind of interesting because yeah. I was writing out the next album on a piece of paper yesterday like how I would list it mm-hmm. and there was a definite split so maybe that would be something that I would do for the next one. And the song, the album is is like old timey. Yeah, it's like an old timey album kind of. So maybe I should do that for the next one. Which is expensive. Sure. Like I don't know how much it is to print vinyls, but yeah, I could think about it. Yeah, I mean a lot of people are doing like limited runs and stuff, but I don't know. even just for like your own prosperity, just like here, that's really something I have. Yeah. The other thing I just want to ask, like, kind of wrapping up, is just like, would you be interested in, like, signing with a label or anything like that, or you just want to self-release everything yourself? If, so I go through a distributor now, and they, they're really good, and if my music does well, I think they'll give me some, they might, in the future, I get some funding off them. Mm -hmm. The only reason I would think... I'd have to go to a label. With, I'd have to see what the label would offer. Yeah. But I don't think I'd ever go f- fully fledged label sign because 
I just know so much choice would be stripped away, like so much of my creative control over the project I think would be stripped away. Mm -hmm. I think it depends what label you go with. Like yeah. Andy Schauf's labels and Father John Misty's, like they're like Sub Pop and I think Anti, they have good agreements. Yeah. So the reason I would go with the label would be... Such a voice, but Sub Pop. Yeah. yeah. And, but even if you look at their Spotify's now, it'll say... It'll say like any shelf wise blood with yeah. sub pop, so they must have some agreement. Yeah. So definitely at some point I'd like to I would like to partner with a label that I really trusted and went with because of the opportunity to let your art go further. Yeah. Like of course. It must be cool to be like I'm label mates with you know, yeah. whatever good people. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think I think like a lot of artists now are kind of realizing their uh, the importance of, of own self ownership and sometimes there'll be deals where it's like we, we retain the rights after like five years or whatever. Depends on the contract, everyone's different. Mm. I think every artist like now, whether it's authors or filmmakers or what have you, like they they um I don't know, they they seem to like know that they have to get the rights back at some point because I think we've had decades where the power imbalance has been in favor of the labels or the studios or whoever, uh, depending on which medium you're working in. I think now they're starting to realize, like, okay, we have to start giving the leeway here a bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the biggest appeal of it, of having a label, is you officially got a job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <coughs> but I mean, even like for things you were talking about, about distri uh, distribution or you know, getting vinyl pressing or anything like that, I mean, like, a lot of those kind of weights are uh, lifted off your shoulder, but... Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, you finally got someone that can <clears throat> help direct you and you can not worry about working another job or if you want to, you can, or you can live like a bum. Or... Mm -hmm. That would be super nice. Yeah. That would be super nice. Um, I don't know... I guess it'll just come around. I'm trying not to. Th I'm trying to be more <clears throat> internal. Yeah. Like recently, just go. All I can do is try and write the best music I can and release it, and then like send it to people and try and get people to listen to it. And then if they like it, that's great, and we'll see what happens. You know. But yeah, I think I think I don't know. No idea. Yeah, you just kind of taking it as it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, taking it as it is. Yeah. Might might reach out to a few for the for the next album and stuff, but I don't know. Yeah. There's one album that they're not the next one. that's old time, but the one after that, I'm definitely gonna. That's probably one that I'll send around to people to try and be like, hey. So in the meantime, you're just kind of building your profile, getting the gates out, getting the music out, yeah, and trying to establish what your fan base, I guess. Like, yeah. Which I think it's uh, kind of the aim of any artist, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and a catalogue, like an interesting catalogue, I think. Yeah. Like the next one will be very different from the one stuff I've released, and then the one after that will be very different from the next one. Mm -hmm. And I think, I was like a bit thinking, I was like, oh, it's going to be a bit weird going from this to that. And then I was like, no, because if you fully commit to, I was like, oh, I've got to fully commit to the rebrand. Yeah, yeah. Like I like can alter ego almost. Like I've got to fully rebrand, re commit to it because... Then I can fully commit to the next one. Yeah. If you're kind of just swerving a little bit in between, right. it'll get confusing. But if you're like, hey, new stage, mm -hmm. end, new stage. David Bowie style, kind of, yeah. Yeah. 
which is which is nice to know. And there's no harm in having more albums under your belt than less. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. But do you, uh, I, I kind of get the impression from talking with you that, like, perhaps, uh, like, you get kind of interesting concepts and then bored of them quickly, too. So, yeah. it would, like... Would you ever worry about that? Like, if, say, for example, you had to tour for a year under the same thematic thing that you came up with a year prior, where you're like, I want to do this new shit. Yeah. Do you ever worry about that kind of thing? Yeah, I do. That's what I worried about kind of the other night after the show. I was like, "Um, you're getting bored of... Like, I was like, I'm getting (laughs) bored of things too quickly. Yeah. But that was good realisation because then I went, well too bad yeah now you've got to make now I've got to make sure that I treat that part of it like a job because you can keep interested in other ways yeah so I think that's something you just kind of grow out of sure I I think I think I don't know but I think if I was going on tour doing it every night having fun I think that I think also if you're on tour and doing a theme it would go so quickly Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't feel like you were doing it for two years sure you know and that's what makes you more dedicated to the bit because you're not just going to like haphazardly go well maybe I'll do this because mm. you're like well I have to picture going up on stage every night doing mm. this on like a tree tour or something like that yeah <laughs> I think also if you're going to different places it's yeah. like a new show for everyone every night whereas I what would happen was like in Sydney especially I only played like three shows in Sydney under my solo name before I left and even by the third show we changed the set list yeah. you know whereas the first the first two shows the set list was great the set list worked really well but then the third show I was like oh probably the same people that came to the first two shows so I got to change the set list yeah. Which is true to an extent, but also there was probably half the crowd had never seen the show before. Yeah. So why did I change the set list? Sure. You know what I mean? But do you also look forward to, as we were talking about earlier, potentially traveling around and maybe seeing, like say if you went around Europe, seeing how, well, the Spanish react to my show like this, the French yeah. react to it like this, Germans like this, <coughs> Italians like this, whatever, wherever yeah. you happen to go. Is that something that like intrigues you, just seeing how different nationalities kind of react to what you're doing? Because I think like it's very in- it's interesting kind of like how sort of versatile everyone's music tastes become. I think in a lot of ways it's, it's sound to streaming culture perhaps and, you know, just in a lot of ways there, there isn't the commitment to music that, you know, you had to have at one point where it's like, you know, maybe your whole persona would be folk because you need to sell folk or whatever it may be. Where it seems like now it's like everywhere in the world seems receptive to weird and kind of avant-garde shit. I mean, even like mainstream music is getting very avant-garde and experimental and yeah. about bigger themes beyond just you know sex and whatever, you know, having a good time. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you look forward to seeing how maybe other places will react to your music beyond yeah. Ireland and Australia? I would. I look forward to. So one of the uh, stuff I was writing when I've been here when I was traveling. I'd really like to um, do more collaborations on it and have some because it was kind of some of the songs a lot of the songs are about traveling and I'd love to have like a French singer on one of the songs there's yeah. still a lot of Serge Gainsbourg yeah. at the time as well so I'd like to see how they reacted with that stuff yeah. and trying to because I and incorporate some other cultures into into the music but yeah with my music sure I mean I'd like to I have a few people listen to my music in Madrid and Lisbon and stuff mm-hmm. in Spain and um, I guess I would be interested obviously at the same time I'm kind of like 
in the headspace of trying not to care too much about what people think of it live. Like, obviously, I want everyone to have a good time. That's mm-hmm. what I'm there for. But it's kind of like, I don't know. Of course, I'd I'd love to travel and see how people react to the show. Yeah. Um, and if they if they do react, if people come, yeah, that'd be great. So you're still the same showman selling fake tickets since you were a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the, hey, that's kind of still where you are. Yeah. Um, perfect. Is there anything you'd like to add just for a raffle then? Um, what? Singles out, 15th of March. EP's yeah. out, 12th of April, you said. I didn't even, I forgot that. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what Megan told yeah. me. <laughs> it's out soon, like six weeks or something. Yeah, uh, this will be coming out somewhat soon to the, that release, I think. So, yeah. Have it somewhere in the middle, perhaps, yeah. So, yeah. And thank you for everyone who's come to the show so far. Thank you for speaking to me. It's been really awesome. nice. Thanks for being late. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Take care. <laughs> Thank you for listening to that episode of postburnout.com interviews. We hope you enjoyed and stay tuned for more.